Talking Cure, Conversations with Jet Wheeler, is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University. Greetings. I'm Jed Wheeler, and this is The Talking Cure, and I'm with the amazing Simona Dinnerstein. (laughs) And it is such an honor and such a pleasure to be with you here today. And we're seated, believe it or not, in the stairwell of the Alexander Kasser Theater. It was absolutely quiet. And we're about 20 feet away from where Simona presented the world premiere of a work that she conceived and directed and performs in called The Eye is the First Circle. Simona, what's it all about? (laughs) I wish I knew. (laughs) Well, make it up. Gosh, it's about so many different things. Um, But it started with me wanting to do something, some kind of reaction to my father's great painting, The Fulbright Triptych. And that's where it all began. And so The Fulbright Triptych was and is a masterwork. It is a masterwork, but it was conceived while your father, Simon, was on a Fulbright to Germany, more or less 50 years ago, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think he had the, the Fulbright in 1970, I think. And uh, it was either 70 or 71, I guess 70. And he was out there, um, he received the Fulbright to study printmaking, to study uh, in particular, the works of Durer, and yes. um, to study cra- the craft of printmaking. And um, instead of doing that, <laughs> being the kind of rebel that he was, he wound up doing a painting about printmaking. Um, the central panel is about printmaking, and um, and the rest of it is about family and life and all of the different things that interested him and my mother at that time. And I think one of the things that must have interested both your father and your mother was you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was an afterthought. I wasn't, I wasn't yet in the picture when he had the Fulbright. Literally and figuratively. I wasn't, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think they thought that I was going to be coming around anytime soon. So... Um, you know, he started the painting there, and it was going to be my father on one side and my mother on the other side, and then the 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 central panel was going to be about the printmaking, and um, and then they moved back to Brooklyn, and I think I still wasn't really quite part of the picture, and then um, I came along and I was added in, so um, yeah, I, it, it evolved. It took him about three years to do the painting, but. I mean, in many ways, the picture is is revealed by Laurie Ollander and her use of camera and projections. Um, you see the painting in ways that you never would. But there's an element of the story um, 
that I'd like to explore a little bit more uh, because it's very personal. In, I mean, what is it about the painting that made you an artist? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know if the painting made me an artist, but I think the world that it describes made me an artist because in my parents' home, art was revered as the highest calling and as a way of interpreting life and um, just, uh, I grew up in a home where we didn't have many things. Like we didn't, the, we didn't have much furniture. You know, my parents used like crates as coffee tables and, um, and they had very little money. Uh, when I was growing up, we, we really lived very, very simply but we would travel to see art. And, um, and we never did vacations where you just relaxed or you went to experience nature. We always went because there was a painting in a certain place that they wanted to see. And that's what we went to do. Well, the, the eye is the first circle is a celebration of art. Yes. I mean, it's also uh, a tribute to your parents, um, but it also uh, harks back to, uh, through the music, the Charles Ives Concord Sonata um, to the 19th century. So how does, how does that link with the painting in your inspiration? Well, the composition. Well, yes, I mean, when I was trying to think about what to play, because I'm not a composer, so I had to think about how was I, as a musician, going to create a another work of art that is using my father's work of art and using music. And um, as you know, I went through a whole process of thinking about commissioning a composer or more com more than one composer or having a mixed program and nothing ever really felt quite right about it and um, then the pandemic came along and I had more time to think about it and it suddenly occurred to me that Ives's Concord Sonata is a piece of music which is in many ways doing in music what my father was doing in paint, in that my father was taking a sort of set of values and beliefs and, and a feeling about the life that he and my mother were, were, were leading at that time and making uh, a kind of painting novel out of it. Mm. And, um, nice. and Charles Ives, had this profound love and admiration for the transcendentalists and wanted to to write music that captured what they were saying and um, so he created this mammoth sonata in four movements where each movement is is depicting what he thought of as the essence of what those writers were saying 
but in music and in the, and in crazy music. <laughs> I mean, it's really, really dense. And then on top of that, he wrote a um, a set of essays, like a like a kind of sonata of essays and words um, that accompanies the musical sonata. And he published them both at the same time as a kind of two part set. I hadn't quite expected to hear as much Americana in the composition, um, given given the 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 lead up <clears throat> that this was a complex piece of music um, with tremendously difficult elements and so forth. And of course, as uh, you make it, uh, it is as complex as all people describe. But you also make it effortless. Oh, well, thank you. Effortless. <laughs> um, but is there a, it's, I'm, I'm interested in this transition that you, well, transition is not the right word, but I mean, it, it takes a very special creative uh, human being, you being that human being, mm. um, to decide, oh, oh, wait a minute. I want to do so much more than just play the piano. Yeah. Um, and in to my way of thinking, there's, and I maybe maybe this maybe not right, but um, or right on point. But it seems to me that your father started out in Germany, thinking that he was going to be involved in printmaking, and then did something entirely different, yeah, or something more, yeah, or something expanded on that fundamental idea, and. To my way of thinking, is not necessarily much different than you. What you just did is, is that. Oh, that's a really interesting observation. Actually, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. You know, and that here you are, um, taking on a, a really big canvas, literally and figuratively. Yes. Um, and doing it as though you've been doing it all your life. <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I mean, I also had a really great team that I was working with that, that helped me through with this. Um, and of course, you introduced me to Laurie Allender and then also Davison Scandrett, the lighting designer mm -hmm. um, I had worked with, with Pam Tanowitz. Mm, so, right. I mean, I needed, I needed people to help me, but I remember <sighs> thinking, how am I going to do all of this? And... Um, I spent a lot of time reading about Ives and reading about the transcendentalists and then thinking about, you know, I, t I kept like journals and notebooks where I tried to make sense of all of this because I knew that there were various themes that seemed really important, like nature, the importance of nature to the transcendentalists, this mm. like idea of oversoul, you know of um, some kind of like hidden force connecting everything together. And um, I tried to think, well, how can, I, how can I find this in the music and the art in a way that doesn't seem illustrative? Like I wanted it to be, um, I didn't want the images that we saw to just be, um, mirroring um, in a kind of obvious way 
what I thought was happening in the music. And I didn't want to be hitting people over the head with mm -hmm. ideas. And in fact, I didn't even really know exactly what I was thinking, which is actually, I think, quite Emersonian because yes, you, know, you, you know, you read Emerson and, and you're thinking, this is so right. And then afterwards you're like, but what did he just say? <laughs> and it felt so right when you're reading it. Um, so it was a lot to sift through. And finally, I, I, I thought, I kind of realized how I wanted each movement which kinds of themes I wanted each movement of the music to explore, both in terms of Ives and the Transcendentalists and my father's work. So who, what are the four movements? There are four movements. There are four movements. So there's Emerson, um, then Hawthorne, the Alcotts, and Thoreau. Now, are, are, the, are those choices that you made or those choices that Ives made? Those are Ives's. Those are Ives's yeah, choices. Ives's choices. And, and they're very well, um, I mean, he, they're, they're very clear to me why, he, why they're called mm -hmm. that, why he thought of that. You know, the first movement, Emerson, is the biggest movement. And mm -hmm. it's the most abstract. I mean, it's really just like these layers of ideas that are kind of superimposed over each other and, and shift. And there's a, this feeling of a great expansive kind of vista uh, in the music, in the way that he uses the whole instrument. And there's quite a lot of, um, I would say there's quite a lot of European influence in that movement. Like I hear I, I hear Mahler and, um, mm -hmm. and and Wagner, and of course there's Beethoven all all the way through. He he uses um, the very beginning of the Fifth Symphony um, in many different ways, and um, and then there's also uh, you know American hymns and chorales and folk songs mm -hmm. and um, but there's a feeling that it's a it's a movement that's about ideas to me, that's what I hear. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I wanted to kind of lay out in that movement the big ideas that I felt from the painting um, for myself, which you know have to do with art and family and, um, and to make it very bold, you know, to have colors, colors from the painting and um, and then also to have the, the feeling of nature. So, so Laurie um, took images, uh, photographs of trees and used those trees along with green from the table, the central table. Mm -hmm. and, and then we, we worked with um, you know, different elements of the tools of the table. And, um, and then on top of that, I was thinking about um, other theater that I've seen. I've gone to see quite a lot of theater over the past few years because of my son being so seriously interested in theater and interested in particularly very, you know, experimental or interesting, thought-provoking theater. And we went to see... Um, the production of Oklahoma that um, Daniel Fish Daniel had, Fish. had done. And we saw it twice, actually. And I, I was incredibly struck by that production because he took something that's iconic, uh, you know, this really like Americana kind of play, 
and just completely rethought the whole thing. And I was, I was just really, that was very inspiring to me. Mm. And then there's this one scene in it where he had a live camera on mm -hmm. the two men and their confrontation with each other. And it went really close up and you could see their faces as they were seeing each other, you know, projected. And I thought that was so interesting because it, it just gave you a different kind of psychological feeling about them and how they were perceiving each other. And I thought that I wanted to try to do that in this piece. And I had the thought of putting cameras inside the action of the piano, where, which is what you don't ever see. Um, you know, you hear all of this music and you don't know really how I've certainly made. never seen it. It is absolutely brilliant idea. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you see the hammer hit. You hit, um, hit the string. But not, not in an overt way, but as part of the music. Exactly, yeah, and we also had we had two angles inside that, that are angles that you never see because usually when you look at the action, you can see it from above. So mm -hmm. if you see films of pianists playing, they do often like to show the, the action from above. So you see the dampers going down on the strings. And, but seeing from the side, inside, um, it's completely different. And in some parts, we even flipped it upside down so that you had a very skewed vision of the whole thing. And it almost looked like a cathedral inside the piano. Mm. So there's just something really enormous about how, how it's working. And also the gold of the, the steel strings, you mm -hmm. know, this, it, it's a very golden um, look inside there, which kind of goes with the central copper plate that my father was engraving. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful thought. The the other thing that happens, I mean, first of all, all of this is all of this array of visuals um, are touch each other in beautiful, even sensual, uh, evocative ways. But one element that I was struck by, and I've seen this before because I've watched you perform but you could see it even more in this piece, is how your fingers touch the keys. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, and this is, so would you mind talking about touching the keys? I mean, it is, um, I mean, it, it, for me, yeah. um, it is very much about you as an artist of how, what that relationship is. I mean, it, it, and I, I obviously can't describe it. One has to see it. Yes. But um, well, it's something it's, very, very, very special, um, which may not be, it, it may, be, it may not be uh, something you're conscious of. No, I'm very conscious of that. So yeah. it's interesting that you pick up on that because not many people talk about that. Um, the visual part of it is that you're able to see it because we right. have cameras also on my hands in various ways. Mm -hmm. So that's accentuated. But there is a real sensuality to touching the keys and it directly connects to how the sound, what kind of sound you produce. Um, so feeling the keys, like being aware of how your fingers feel 
against the keys is part of creating sound. And um, yes. mm -hmm. I, I was taught by a, a, a really amazing pianist, Maria Curcio, when I was, um, I studied with her for several years when I was a young adult um, from like age 18 to 21. And she taught me how to feel the keys and to feel that I was pulling the sound out of the piano. Mm, what a beautiful idea. Yeah. And she used to talk about how Rachmaninoff would say that pianists were like oil diggers and that you're searching for the wetness of the oil in the keys. Mm. And so you just um, have this feeling of contact with your fingers. And I can tell, you know, when I'm teaching my students, if they are doing that or not. Like if they don't feel it, if they don't feel the keys, you can hear it in the sound. And the moment they can feel it, the sound completely changes. And it's quite something. Um, so maybe one of the reasons also that I wanted to have the inside of the action and I wanted the physicality of all of this to be mm -hmm. present and, um, and the cameras that show my hands, um, it, it just helps to make it more immediate to everyone. Well, I couldn't, I mean, I could not help but um, imagine, fantasize really, about um, your father's hand um, holding a brush mm. and the touch that's required, uh, that he brings. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. And and the the triptych is is so virtuosic. I mean, mm -hmm. the way that he uses oil paint to create many different the illusion of many different types of mediums. So you you think that some of it is children's drawings using mm -hmm. ballpoint pen or crayon or watercolor. Um, then you have, you know, there's one part where he's. Uh, he has a postcard of a of a painting, or I don't know if it's a painting or a drawing of Surat's mother, mm. oh, I... and and it it's it has that kind of very very impressionistic quality, um, and then other parts are very very realistic or very in a way almost flat, um, and he must have had to use the tiniest of brushes to do some of mm. those things and. And also what's what's particularly intimidating to me is that this was his first painting. I mean, that he, before this, he was in art school. So this was his first painting as, as an artist. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, it's taken me years to figure out how to do anything on the piano. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, at some juncture, you, you decided, I don't know when this was in your life, but you said, I'm a pianist. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm not a painter. Oh, well, I mean, I decided that very early on. Like, I mean, I, when I started studying piano, I asked for lessons when I was five. I didn't get them till I was seven. Right. And, and right from there, I was like, that's what I, this is what I want to do. And um, it's kind of mysterious because my parents, I mean, they were very supportive, but they, they, this did not come from them. This was just my mm -hmm. own thing. And I don't even think I knew what I was doing, you know, back then or what that meant. I, I remember having seen some films that had 
a huge impression on me. One in particular, which was very dark, The Seventh Veil. And if sure. you ever, you know, yes. And I was like, you know, I'm going to be a pianist. And um, but music always seemed like that was clearly my medium, and playing the piano always felt. You know, even though I struggled with various aspects of playing the piano, I felt that the instrument and what the sound of it was something that I always felt was like my voice. Well, the, uh, the eye is the first circle. I mean, the piano is a very prominent object um, on stage, but it's also a, a living object. Mm. Um, and in, uh, in ways that I've not experienced. Um, I mean, what Laurie and Davidson, and, uh, they put together with you is, it's not, it's not, it is, it is, um, an, it's not unlike the painting, actually, in, this, in many ways. I mean, there's so many different things to see and feel and hear. Yes. You know, as long as you're paying attention. Um, and you know, and, and the piano is its own artwork, but also you know, it's 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 been deconstructed. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, which is remarkable experience as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that we have. I think we have about five different cameras on the piano in various mm -hmm. ways, and right. sometimes you only see one or two. Sometimes you see all of them. There's a part at the crazy, crazy end of Hawthorne, which is completely manic yeah. and terrifying to play. Um, yeah. And uh, I asked Simon, who is, Simon is the one who's manipulating all of the cameras. And he's the camera person. He's the camera person. And, he, and he's helped Lori with all of her projections, like to make sure they, they work. Um, and so he ar arranged many different ca um, camera angles. It's more than five that are going on. He kind of layers them at that mm -hmm. point, and they're almost like a kaleidoscope of images of the keys and of mm. my hands. And so it looks like there are you know twenty hands on on the on the three screens. And it's quite something because it sounds in the music. It sounds like there are like twenty people playing. <laughs> it's a big sound. It's a big, big sound. I mean, it is. It's, yeah. It's a thrilling sound. Yeah, it, it is. It is quite thrilling. And you and you you have to really have your wits about you because everything is upside down and wrong. <laughs> well, as as you, in the fourth, remind me the the fourth movement is Thoreau. Thoreau. Yeah. Well, in the fourth movement, um, you are part of the film. Yes, that was that was the last thing that I thought of actually, because from the very beginning when I conceived of this piece, I knew that I only wanted to reveal the full triptych at the very end. It, it even not connected with the eyes. Like when I first thought of making this piece, I thought. I'm going to wait till the end to show the whole triptych. It's going to be something where almost like you realize that all of the elements of everything that you've seen actually belong to this totality that you that you that you were unaware of mm -hmm. for the whole time. And um 
then uh, I had this thought that actually um, I wanted to, I really wanted to place myself within this in some way. And um, I had this kind of vision of um, looking at that copper plate, which is, a, it's a circle and, and it's of a print that my father was making of a garden. Mm-hmm. And the garden was actually not our garden. It belonged to the landlady of our um, apartment building where we lived in, on Fisk Place in Brooklyn when I was a baby. And I have my very first memories are from that apartment. We, we left there when I was about three. And um, so I thought, I wonder if I could somehow get into that garden and be filmed from above, from the angle that you see the, the print, mm-hmm. the, and that the print could turn into the real garden, but with me walking in the garden. And that then you would come closer, the camera would come closer and closer to me, to my face, and then finally to my eye, and that we would end the whole piece with my eye. And um, I described this to, <laughs> I described this to my son, first of all, because he's involved in theater, and I could tell that he thought it was a terrible idea. And (laughs) and, um, then I tried to figure out, uh, how do I reach the people who own that building now? And through a bunch of different ways, I um, I finally connected with them. And they were incredibly gracious. And they said, yes, you can come film in our garden and you could go up to the roof and, and, and look down and do that. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it all worked out that Lori and Simon finally came and filmed me and they put it together. And it is exactly how I thought, like it was exactly the way I thought it would be, mm-hmm. but they managed to make that happen. And I'm not sure how how they did it really. I mean, Lori is just kind of a genius with this. But um, I, yeah, I thought it was important for me to be placed there. Well, you, you're placed at the end. I'm right at the end, yes. Right. And everything, the whole medium changes at that point because we've mm-hmm. been seeing um, paint. Right. And, you know, we've seen piano and paint. But um, when I start to walk in the garden, and this was actually pure coincidence, the placement of me in the in the screen, uh, the image of where I where I appear, um, makes it look like I've stepped out of my body playing the piano. It's ex- it's at exactly the same point of where I'm sitting on the stage, mm-hmm. and then I start walking. And when I saw um, a video of this. It, I was, it, it was really a it's bit true. creepy. It was a, kind of like a doppelganger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it does have, there's a certain um, giving birth to you aspect of it. That there's a lifting up yes, that happens. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think that I wanted to feel that, um, that at the end you could see that all of this imagine that the whole thing that we've watched even beyond it being the triptych was somebody looking at that somebody mm-hmm. having seen that and moved from that just to an understanding 
And so I thought by getting, by going beyond the full triptych and into the real world and into my eye, it's my eye, but it's also everybody there looking mm -hmm. at it. It's all, everybody watching, it's their eyes too, you know, um, and we're all looking at the world around us and it comes back to us, which brings you back to the eyes, the first circle. And certainly, um, it, it, it stems from, from your father's eye. Yes, yeah. What did he see? Exactly. What was he looking at? Mm-hmm. You know, and now, what are you looking at? Exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful work. With, um, it's, it's actually filled with so much love. I feel that way, yeah. I mean, it, it is truly about the, the wonderful love of family. Yes. And my mother figures very prominently in it, too. She does. Renee, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. um, it has great warmth and vitality. It has its mysteries. I mean, um, I mean, the part that there's so much to discover. Yeah. I mean, through it, that the music, you discover, you discover Ives in a way that I'm sure people have not really thought of Ives. Um, you discover a, a painting. You're not even sure it is a painting until you know it's a painting. Yes. You, know. um, you see this painting in ways that you never see this painting. I'm, no one will convince me that anybody could look at this painting the way you look at this painting yeah. through this work. Right, right. It's not possible. Um, it, you know, and you, it, it, I mean, what you do come away with, at least I did, was how many paintings are within the painting. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's not you know, and I mean, and, and Ives's music. I mean, uh, as I say, I don't. I'm not Ivesian mm -hmm. um, in terms of my own understanding of his music, or, but listening to the, you play it, there's it it for lack of a better term, it quotes so much. Oh, it does. Yeah, you know, in a way that so does your father. Yes. They both have so many quotes in them. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I think of it as collage. My father has argued with me about that term because, you know, technically speaking, that means that it's actually cut up things, the right. elements. But I think of it more, um, you know, metaphorically, I guess. But I think that both my father and Ives were taking um, bits of different influences on them and 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 layering them in different ways and yeah digesting them yeah and, and giving us something special as you've done with this piece yeah amazing piece thank you absolutely amazing i'm so proud of you oh thank you it takes a very special person to want to venture into something Unknown. It's very, it, it, it's very uh, much Hawthorne. <laughs> very Hawthorne. Yeah. Okay. To go where there is no path and, yeah, yeah. and to leave a trail. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's you. Oh, <laughs> you thank know. you. Do you think, as we wind up, do, do you think that this, this is going to lead you into something new? I, I think so. I hope so. I, I'm, I have the bug now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, you do, and you, you know it's very much a part of who you are. Yes. So thank you so much for this gift oh. that was created 
during the pandemic and is giving us a sense of hope as we come out of the pandemic. Well, thank you. I mean, it really wouldn't have happened without you. So yes. I'm very, very grateful. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Thanks.